I woke up for Sunday morning, I knew that the Lord was going to have me pray for a lot of people that day. I, I just woke up with the, the, that in my heart. And I was thinking about the needs of the individual, you and I, people in general. David says this in the Psalms. He says, for I am poor and needy. And that phrase alone, just in the, New Te- uh, excuse me, the Old Testament, is used 38 times, not counting the times just the word needy is used. And the needs of man can be, of course, we know, physical, uh, for our food, what we need, uh, clothing, shelter, and so on. Uh, we know that. Then there is the need that people have mentally, emotionally, and so on. And then there's the spiritual need that every single person has. Some are more aware of that. If you've come to Christ, you know that you have spiritual needs. Those in the world, they think they need this or that or something else, and they're not really aware of their need. Uh, the spiritual need. So need, I guess you can boil it all down to an inner need of the spirit, uh, except for, the, I guess, the physical would be different, that people, mankind, uh, you and I, we're basically helpless and dependent or to be dependent upon the Lord to supply whatever need we have. Now, there are different sources that are there ready to meet the need of man. And basically, we know this. For example, you have the devil, the enemy of your soul, ready to meet the need. When man thinks he has a need, there it is right there, and it's right in front of him, and the devil can take that, and he can do things to meet that need. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness, the devil came to him, and he's going to try to meet the need of the Lord, and he says that, I will change this rock into bread to meet your need. You're hungry. I know that. So the enemy of our soul, of man in general, will try to meet their needs. The enemy of your soul as a Christian will try to come in various ways to meet your need or to say, this is what you really have need of and you don't need to go to God. Very, very subtle. And then you have the world system, the world system, which is basically an arm of the devil to do many different things, but one of the things the world can do is can meet people's needs. So if a person, for example, has a physical need, a, a um, a need for money, well, the world's right there, says if you do this and you do this, you know, you'll be successful and you'll have uh, 
all this and it'll meet your need, you'll be happy and all that. So the world system uh, can meet your need. Now there's a verse of scripture in the epistle of John where John says that Antichrist shall come and he goes on, he says, and even now are there many Antichrists. And the word Antichrist or uh, many antichrists, is, is meaning that which is opposed to Christ. But I was looking that word up in the, in the, um, the Vines expository, and I thought, I thought it was very interesting. It defines the word antichrist as opposed to Christ, and it also defines it instead of Christ. So in other words, there's a substitute. We're going to substitute and give you something instead of Christ. And so the world system has much to offer those who are entangled in it. And the main thing that is given out is that which is something instead of Christ. Instead of Christ. Antichrist word. And so you have all these different sources there to meet the need. And we can even take this one step further and say that self, self will meet the need. And so you have self-dependence, you have uh, self-will, self-desire. You have those who are a self-made man or woman. And self many times is very discernible. Sometimes it's not. Other times it's very discernible, especially to the Christian who's walking with God. And they can recognize when something is of self. But I, I want to just show you something kind of go on the side here for, for a few minutes. Have you ever thought about all the religious denominations? Why are there so many? What's the deal with denominations? Now, if you go back to medieval times, the main source of law was the state and the church. And the Catholic Church dominated Europe, the main, mainly the known world, and they were the force to reckon with, so to speak. And you had certain people, for example, Martin Luther, who was a monk, and you had others, uh, John Huss, William Tyndale, other people who the Lord started to enlighten. They were reading the scriptures. The Lord started to enlighten them. And now the Lord brings something to the heart, and they're seeing things. They're seeing the Lord. They're seeing the word, the truth. And so they stand against the Catholic Church, and those of, of uh, for example, Martin Luther, those who were his followers broke away and started this denomination. Now, that alone was good. 
Being enlightened by the word of God is very good. And so as you trace that down through the centuries, the, the 14th, the 15th century, the 16th century, even before that, but in that era, you see certain people being enlightened. For example, the Reformation. Uh, Martin Luther started the Reformation in Germany. Then you had the Reformation in England. Now, now from Germany, you had the Lutheran Church came out of that. The Reformation in England, you had the Wesleyan, the Methodist, the Anglican, and the Episcopalian. And then you have the Scottish Reformation, and you have the Presbyterian Church that comes out from that. And so, in and of itself, that was good. They were enlightened. But what took place, and does take place, is that the Lord calls a remnant out, and these, this remnant have a certain um, view of the Scriptures, they develop certain tenets of faith, so to speak. And they have a certain view, and, and they form a denomination around that. Now, they were taken out, and the Lord starts dealing with them according to truth. But what happens is, they progress so far, and then they don't go any further. There, there is this loss of desire for God... And then the denomination surrounds itself with all these different things they believe. And now they're only going to accept and bring in those and agree with those now who have that same set of beliefs. And now there is a stoppage of, of what the Lord wants to do. And in certain instances, the Lord now calls a remnant out of that that continue on to seek him. So the denominations, I think the main thing is there's a slight shift away from Christ, uh, viewing him, him as the source, him as the main focal point, and there is this movement to the side to where now their beliefs, their tenets, what they think, all the scriptures that they, that they look at, and this is their view, now becomes the main thing. Uh, John Calvin, uh, Jacobus Arminius, all of those had a certain bent on the scriptures, and now that becomes a stumbling block to them because they cannot receive from people who are not in their certain place, the same place they're in, who believe what they believe. And you don't have to be in a denomination. You could be non-denominational and still have that same thing, where you go so far and you stop. And I call that that, the, that you are supplied by another source, and that source becomes self. Self. Because now it's all about what I believe, what I think, and now I, I shut myself off from others, and now the Lord can't come in and show me certain things because it, it, it doesn't line up with my beliefs, my theology. And, you know, John Calvin was a, a theologian of his day. 
Arminius was a theologian of his day. Uh, and, and some of these others were theologians. Studied the scriptures constantly. Um, William Tyndale, they, him and his, his people, the ones that joined with him, they translated every verse in the Bible into English. So it's not that they weren't reading the Bible. It's that anyone, any Christian, I don't care who you are, can start moving along the right path with God. He can call you out as a remnant. He can work in your life. He can show you truth. He can enlighten you. But yet, if Jesus Christ does not remain the focus, then self gets in there, and now you're limited. What you can receive from God, what you can receive from other, becomes very limited. And so what the Lord began uh, with the, the Reformation and these people was good. But see... The source must be him always. See, he must be, for, be before us always. Not what we believe, not the tenets of faith. Now, I'm not downplaying that. That's important. But yet, that can be a stumbling block and keep us from continuing on with him. So if if all the churches, all these denominations that we just talked about, if they would take what they believe and set that aside and say, my primary focus now as a Christian is Jesus Christ alone, many, many walls would crumble down. And the church would be much better off for it. So whether a person's in a denomination or they're not in a denomination, that same basic thing can occur in the heart where they are not going on with God and they begin to receive from another source, and that's self, I believe. Now, I'll turn to Isaiah 53. Now, that's just a little... It's how I viewed denominations. Now, everybody else views it different, I believe, but that's how I see it. Isaiah 53. See, whenever we do not move on with God, something is in the way there, something is hindering us. Now, as I began with, there's the, the devil, there's the world system, but if we shift away from Jesus Christ being our focus, and then what we believe, the, the beliefs of a denomination, that becomes before us now. And self now will, will uh, really start to build that thing up like a wall. And now that's, that's my world, you see. You can't penetrate that because you don't believe this. You don't believe this exact same thing. And somebody asked me, are you a Calvinist or Armenian? Armenian, 
Armenians, of, of Armenians. I says, I have no idea. I says, I, I, I think I walk with God, and I'm not concerned about that. Now, it's interesting, and I, I've started to look into this church history, and it's very involved. And I understood the question, because Calvin has, for example, one of the main things that people adhere to is once saved, always saved. That's Calvinistic. Arminius believed that you, know, you could lose your salvation. So, so th that's the main sticking point there between the two groups. But see, if your eyes are on Jesus, you walk with him, see. Now, in Isaiah 53, verse 1, who has believed our report? Well, hold your place there and turn to John chapter 12. John 12, verse 38. That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, the Lord, um, Lord who has believed our report. But, and and the, that's the question, but you have to understand what the report is. If you go up here a few verses, you'll understand why people don't believe the report. It's just not any report. Verse 32, and, if, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This said he, signifying by what death he would die. So the report is the death. See, who has believed that report? Who wants to believe that report? See, that's a pretty strong thing, what Jesus is talking about here. You have to die. You want to live, you have to die. So who's believed this report? Back to Isaiah. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Well... To those who adhere to Christ, to those who by faith look to him, uh, to those who are going to walk on with him and not be closed off from every other thing around, uh, other people. So now my focus is Jesus Christ and what he says and, and, and as he leads is what matters, not my specific set of beliefs, my beliefs, you know, what I think about this scripture and that scripture, and, and build some doctrine around that. That's not what's, what's important. Now turn to Hosea. Hosea chapter 1. Now, what Hosea was told to do, I'm sure we're all familiar with Hosea. What he was told was an analogy of Israel, or to Israel. Uh, he went to, the Lord says, go take a wife of whoredom. 
And so, the Lord is going to draw this parallel between this woman who Hosea takes as his wife and her unfaithfulness to him and her desire always to go after whoredom. He's going to take that and draw an analogy between that, that situation, and Israel, the nation, and how Israel is going after whoredom. They're, they're after uh, idolatrous living and idol worship and, and all that. So he's going to draw this parallel here. And he tells Hosea to go do this particular thing. Now, for Hosea to walk with God in this, First of all, the Lord has to be the focus of his life for him to walk in it correctly. And then to move forward and actually do what the Lord is saying to do is going to take a work in him and his eyes are going to have to be upon Jesus or upon the Father, however you want to say that. Have to be. So the source that he's going to draw from is it can't be self. See, because if it's self, he's in trouble. It can't be the devil. It can't be the world system. It can't be even what other people believe. For him to do this, he has to hear, hear from the Lord and he has to set his heart toward the Father. And there will be things for us in our life that if we do not have Jesus as the focal point, we will not make it. We won't. The Lord will ask at times from you certain things. And if you have your eyes elsewhere, or there is a slight deviation. You, if you rest in your denomination, your beliefs, what you think this should be and what that, how this should be and that should be, you won't make it. You won't be able to walk with God in certain places. I think that's why so many people are stuck where they are as Christians. Their whole Christian life revolves around their church, their denomination, what they believe, and not around Jesus Christ alone. Now, it doesn't sound like much of a difference, but there's a slight difference there. To some, they wouldn't see any difference. Well, my, my church preaches. Well, that's not the point. What is your focus in life? Don't tell me what you believe. What is your focus? What's going on in here? Not what you believe. You talk to Christians, they're ready to tell you what they believe. Most of us here came from some denomination, some background, and they had their set of beliefs. And a lot of the beliefs were founded in Scripture. But that's not the point. That's not what's important. What's important is the focus of your heart, 
the focus of my heart. And so the Lord tells Hosea, verse 2, When the Lord began to speak uh, by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. Now, his wife has three children. And each one is named by the Lord for a specific purpose. And I'll just give you these real quick. The first one in verse 4 is Jezreel, and that means that God's going to disperse. And this actually happened uh, when the Assyrians came in and they took them captive. And God says, I'm going to disperse them because I am not the focus of their life. Idolatry is. In verse 6, uh, Lo Ruhama was another name of a child, and it means no mercy. So God is not going to show them mercy. The merciful God is not, at this instance, not going to show them mercy. And there's going to be a total destruction of the kingdom of Israel, which took place. Total. And the third child, in verse 9, is named Lo-Ami. And that means not my people. Israel did not have the Lord as their source. Now, he was there available, but they did not make him the source of their life. See, today, the Lord is available, but how many make him the true source of their life? I'm not talking about accepting Christ. I'm talking about after that, some 5, 10, 15 years. You should have a history with God, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years as a Christian. And hopefully, in that period, He has been the focus of your life, long term, not just here and there, not when we have a need, or not whenever we need him to do certain things, but that the heart has been focused upon him, and he is the one that you want. He is the one that you need. He's the one you want to be like. And people ask you questions about this and that and the other thing dealing with Christianity. I'm talking about Christians. And to me, I don't even like answering them. Because it's, it's not that the scriptures aren't important. It's that we put the scriptures up here and we put the Lord below. You know, you may not believe this, but the Lord showed me this about Christian music. That Today, the Christian music, there has been a slight shift from the Word of God. Instead of the Word of God having the preeminence, people are, people have allowed music to usurp the place that the Word of God should take in their life. 
No, I like music. But see, all you need to do is listen to the testimonies. Oh, this great radio station, and this is what the Lord did through this, and you know, this, this music here, this put, you know, did this in my life and that in my life. Well, that may be true. But see, the word of God should be doing that in people's lives. And see, that is not uh, long term. The word of God lives and abides forever. And so there's all, if you look, the Lord will show you, there's, there's, there's a shift here, you know, just move over to the side. And Jesus now, and I don't believe that a lot of the Christian artists intended that. But yet it's happening because of the hearts of the people. To where Jesus is not the focus there. Something else is the focus. So with Israel here at the time of Hosea, the Lord was not their source. And in verse 3, chapter 2, verse 3, Lest I strip her naked and expose her as in the day she was born, and make her like a wilderness, and set her like a dry ground, and slay her, her with thirst. He's talking ab about the children of Israel who have gone to idolatry or harlotry. You know, he, he, they, he's going to pronounce his judgment. Whenever a person leaves the Lord, uh, and they move in another area, in another direction, there's only trouble. In one form or another. And in verse 4, I will not have mercy on her children. Why not? Because her children are following in the same footsteps. They're following in idolatry. So their source there was not the Lord. Their eyes were on what they wanted, uh, what pleased them, uh, they became a self-made nation. And the Lord's, you know, he lets things go for years and years and years and years many times. And then eventually, one way or another, he steps in. He brings judgment or whatever he, he feels needs done. Now, just one more verse here in verse 5. Look at the direction of heart. Just listen to this. For their mother has played the harlot. She who conceived them has behaved shamefully. Now listen to this. For she said, I will go after my lovers who gave me my bread and my water, my wool and my linen and my oil and my drink. And the, the pronoun here, the personal pronoun, I, me, mine, is used nine times in a half a verse. Nine times. So what is the source there? Self. That's the source. It's not God. Self. Now, turn to Matthew. Now, one, one thing it's said in this verse, she's going after her lovers who gave me my bread. See, there's a supply. As I said, there's, there's sources out there to supply whatever people 
you know, they have the need, they're going to supply them something, and they're going to think that that's going to meet the need. But if it's not the Lord supplying the need, the need's not met, really. But there's always someone there ready to supply. They'll supply what they think. And so her lovers supply something, and she says, she calls it her bread, her bread. They're supplying my bread. See, that's what I'm feeding on. Now go to Matthew chapter 6. This is called the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your, your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. How many know here that daily is not in the Greek? It doesn't even mean daily. You know what it means? Needful. Give us this day our needful bread. So that means whatever is needed in this particular situation that you're, that you're in, I'm in, at this particular time is what the Lord can supply. Do you believe the Lord can supply your need? So give us this day the bread or you could say that which is needed. Not like the harlot who says that my lovers are my bread, but Lord, you are the one that I want to supply my need. Do you know that Christians can draw from other sources other than Jesus Christ? A person can come to church and draw from other sources other than Jesus Christ. A person can read the scriptures and draw from other sources than Jesus Christ. How do you think all these different cults arise? They arise from the scriptures, but they're drawing upon self and not upon Jesus Christ. And we believe this, we believe that. It's in the Bible. So what? What does that mean? What is your source? And it becomes very evident when you're around people. Whenever I was working at the Balk Mill Center years ago, <clears throat> two Jehovah Witnesses were constantly, every day, this one, come over and say, this is scripture, this is what it says, blah, 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 blah. I said, okay. And then I'd, I'd look at that and I'd, I'd talk to him. I said, no, this is what this means. And we went back and forth like this, and I felt to do it. I normally wouldn't even do that, but I felt to do it. And um, we went almost every day for a month. And I could see this was not getting anywhere, but the Lord wanted me to do it anyway. So I saw him coming down through the building, and the Lord said to me, don't dispute any scripture with him today. This is what you do. So I said, okay. So he comes down. And he's opened his New World Translation. He says, and this is the time, this is the I said, listen, do you believe you're a Christian? I believe I'm a Christian. I said, have you accepted Christ? He said, yes, I have. I said, I've accepted Christ. I said, so now, 
You're saying you're saved. I'm saying I'm saved. So right now, I walked over to him. I said, let's pray to the Father together in the name of Jesus Christ to make sure we're both saved. And I never seen anybody. Well, there's one other person, one other Jehovah's Witness. He turned around, walked away from me as fast as anybody could walk, and he left my presence and went to the other side of the building and never, ever again came over to me to dispute the scriptures. So the source there, to me, was very evident. He doesn't want to pray with you. They're interested in telling you about what they believe. But if you get them on the source, they won't stick around. They come to your door, say, listen, I'm not going to dispute the scriptures. Let's pray. They're gone. They won't come back. Where I lived in McKees Rocks with my parents, they blackballed us. They, have, they used to pull up in cars, and they have a list of houses that they don't go to. And they always skipped our house for various reasons. They'd come down, we'd watch them. They'd come down the street, they'd look at their sheet, they'd pass our house and go to the next one. Every time. Every time. Well, the source, I can see the source, you see. You should see the source. Now, turn to Deuteronomy 8. See, the Lord has a table, and he has that table spread. And that is where the saints, like the song says, the saints of God should be fed. But see, denominations are not too interested in feeding at the Lord's table. And the reason why I say that is just like when you're a kid. Now, when you, remember back when you were a kid and you sat down to eat? There was always something that we didn't like. And inevitably, that which we didn't like eventually hit the table. You know, peas or whatever it may be for you. And there they are, and it's like, oh my goodness, the peas are this big, but they look this big. Oh my, do I really have to eat that? And over the years, I have learned to eat many different things. Very good, very good to be able to eat a lot of different things. But see, spiritually, the Lord has a table set, and he will bring certain things and place them on the table. Now, if he places something on this table that doesn't agree with my theology, then I'm not going to eat that, you see. And, and that's what denominations do all the time. They shut themselves off from certain feedings, from certain things that the Lord could have them and wants them to eat and partake of. But, but because they're caught up in what they believe, they, they can't receive that. That's, you know... They can't receive their needful bread. Give us this day our needful bread. And so that person will only go so far, and then they're not going any further, unless there is a heart for the Lord, and he'll pull them out as a remnant. Now, they may stay in the church, but, but spiritually they're, they're out. And I believe that A.W. Tozer, even though he was with a CNMA, and he may have stayed there for the sake of the people, but it seems to me, and I may be wrong, it seems to me that he went further than the denomination. 
And, and the Lord will take people out from that situation to where there's no uh, progression toward Him any longer. And He's going to do something with them because of their heart. And He'll take them out and move them so that now He can set a table and they'll eat it. Whether they like peas or not. I don't like vegetables. I met an individual that I knew them for 13 years and never ate a vegetable in 13 years. Never. Pizza was the main course almost every night. Well, problems develop physically. If you don't have the diet that the Lord wants, if you're saying, well, Lord, I don't like that, then there's good possibility that problems will develop. And you won't be able to trace it back. Where, 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 what's the root of this thing? You won't, you won't be able to figure it out. It's going it's to be hidden to you. All because you have not desired to move on and you have not had him as the focus of your life. Now, in Deuteronomy 8... This is a familiar portion of Scripture. I'm turning to Psalms here because I want to read one verse. Deuteronomy 8, verse 1. Now, Leviticus and Deuteronomy are similar, but Leviticus deals with the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, and mainly deals with the Levites and the priests, the leadership. When you come over to Deuteronomy, he's dealing mainly with the laity, but he's dealing mostly with obedience to the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments. So, in verse 1, every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the, the way uh, these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. Now, the setting here is that the, the first generation that came out of Egypt age 20 and above, have all died in the wilderness. Moses is getting old. He's going to be you know, leaving the scene very shortly. And so he gives this discourse. He's, he's telling them and teaching them. He's giving them what the Lord wants them to see and know. And so he's talking to the second generation that's going to go into the promised land and be successful under Joshua. So he says this. When he says this in verse 3, so he humbled you. He's talking about both generations, the, the elder generation that passed away and their generation. He humbled you, uh, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know. Well, I didn't know because I was a kid. I mean, I saw the manna, but I didn't really know and perceive and understand. 
Well, the Lord's saying that you did not really know what was going on. That's okay. But your fathers didn't know either, and they were adults, and, and they had the opportunity to know me. They did not know what was going on with the manna. They thought it was just physical bread. But see, give us this day our needful bread. That is what we need today, be it physical, emotional, or spiritual. And so he says, you didn't know. Probably it's not Gnosko, it's Yada. You didn't know, you didn't perceive, you didn't understand. But that's okay. If you have a heart to go further, you will see, you will know, you will understand. And that's what happened with this generation. They went into the promised land, and they were able to perceive and know and understand things that the generation prior to them didn't see, know, and understand, nor the generation after them, all because they had a heart to move on, to go where God was taking them. That's why. Not bound up by all the different rules and commandments either. You know, they just, okay, the Lord says to do it. Okay, let's just start to. And the Lord was able to take them and do something in them because their source was God. See, The scribes and the Pharisees at Jesus' time were stuck in religion, in, in their quote-unquote, if you will, denomination. Could not get out of that. Jesus tried. He came against these different things, that these different... Um, traditions that they set up to break them. But for the most part, even Jesus was unsuccessful. Wow. He was able to take some. Nicodemus, there was a handful. Uh, 120 in the upper room. Out of how many hundreds of thousands of people that Jesus ministered? 120. That's the remnant. They're the ones that have him as the source. But as far as the scribes and the Pharisees, they were bogged down in religion. They were, they were in their denomination. Who can tell me what the three main denominations are in the world today, or in our country? Catholic? Orthodox? Protestant? Three main. And all of them have the potential to cause someone to stop. There's a cessation where you... No further development or very little. No moving on. Uh, no greater, deeper relationship because they're bound in that. There's no desire. Their source has changed. Psalm 37, you don't have to turn there. Verse 3. Trust in the Lord. See, what's the focus there? Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Well, there's a feeding there, see. And the feeding is not just His faithfulness. The feeding is Him. 
when you go back to Deuteronomy 8, it says that you would learn or you would know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We forget the last part of that verse. See, even what God gives us to feed of his word is not the main focus. The main focus is of the Lord. But every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, of him, he's to be the focus in that, not even what proceeds out from him. See, just a slight shift, very slight. See, he's to be the focal point of the life. Matthew 4. I guess if I was in a denomination today, I might get stoned. <laughs> All the things I said about denominations today, I'd be in trouble. Everybody would turn me off. I don't want to listen to that guy. Well, don't listen to me. Listen to Jesus. Matthew 4, 4. And he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. See, it's not bread, just one area only or alone is not uh, what your life is to consist of or from. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, of God, of God, underline that in your Bible, that's, that's the focuser of God. nice it proceeds from him so don't limit your diet you see man does not live by one thing so if you don't like beans or peas or whatever it is you don't like don't limit yourself you limit yourself the Lord puts this on your plate you say oh, man I can't even stand the smell of that a Limburger cheese oh my goodness I have first-hand experience with that. My mother and my uncle used to love it, and they would only, everyone would, would only allow them to do it once a year, and they had to go up to my uncle's house, which was two doors up, in the backyard at the picnic table, and I was in the yard two doors down, and I could smell that stuff. They say it's good, good tasting if you get past the smell. I don't know. I wouldn't mind trying it now. I, I try all kinds of things. But spiritually speaking, don't limit God. Don't say, I don't want that because it's, I think it smells. Oh, jeez, get it away from me. It might be your needful bread. It might be what you need today. Or it might be today what he wants today that's going to meet your need tomorrow. And in closing, let's quickly go to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 10. Verse 2, well, we'll start with verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, or you could say really means they all ate of the supernatural food, the manna. 
and all drank of the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, listen to this, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Well, why? See, they, they couldn't, even though the Lord was the source, because their focus wasn't on him, it was on something else, uh, that which was supplied did them no good. See, even though the spiritual rock followed them and he was supplying, the manna, the, 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 the whole generation did not see and know and perceive it was really, really what was going on as far as God was concerned. But you had those, Joshua and Caleb, who actually were able to perceive what was proceeding out of the mouth of God or the hand of God uh, that which is physical, but there was more than that. See, there was the spiritual that was coming to them, and, and they were able to, to move on because they saw him as the source and he was the focus, not other things. Verse 11. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages come. And then he goes on, he says, okay, now we're going to talk about the source here. Verse 16, the cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So there's something moving deeper here. And the focus is Jesus Christ, the body, the blood, etc., and not something else. Not the physical thing. See, even the emblems of communion is not... See, churches do that all the time and still don't have, some of them, Jesus Christ in the correct position where he alone is the focus of the heart and life. He alone. And so, in one sense, I guess it's not what the Lord really wants. See, the Lord would have us not partake of the physical emblems and have us have him as the real focus of our life. He'd rather have that than anything. And in closing, just verse 21, I'll read it. You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and a table of demons. So there's a table set. And we will either eat what he's putting on there and partake of that and, and realize he's the source and him be our focus, or the enemy will supply something else on the table that can be our source, be it the world, a self, whatever it may be. And so... I like the Lord because he's faithful to provide what is needful. And that's really, really nice.